You'll pardon my weak voice tonight. I'm going to try to preach to you the word of the Lord. Maybe more talking than preaching tonight, but I do have something to give you. The book of Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. You know, I said this the other night. There's some passages of Scripture that I have preached from so many times. I wish I had never preached from them so I could go back and preach it like I never preached it before. One of my all-time favorite messages, it may not have done anything for anybody else, but I remember preaching one night about to all my snake-bit friends. Anybody remember that? That's been a long time ago. Well, let's go back to that good old word tonight. You know, I really need to start in chapter 27, and I don't want to keep you standing. I could read, I would need to read so many verses, but I think you know the setting. Paul is on his way to Rome. He has boarded a ship as a prisoner, not as a free man, but as a prisoner. They encountered trouble, storm, the Bible calls it a Eurachlodon, a hurricane typhoon, an earthquake. Amen. And then verse 44 said, And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all. Everybody say all. All. They escaped all safe to land. Verse 1 of 28 said, And when they were escaped... Then they knew that the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. For they kindled a fire and received us, every one, because of the present rain, because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat. And fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds. Thank God for a changed mind. And said that he was a God. In the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. It came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, others also which had diseases in the island came 
and we're healed. Amen. My subject tonight comes from words that were etched on the stone face of the rugged mountain in Yosemite called the Dome. A man had worked his way up the treacherous heights of that place. Some areas, the grade was 60 degrees, climbing up to the top of that bald mountaintop. And when he finally arrived, exhausted and fearful, he sat down and etched in the stone that he sat on were these words. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And that's my subject tonight. If you can make it through what you've already gone through, you can make it through whatever else might be coming. Come on, let's praise the Lord together right now. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We magnify your name tonight, oh God. We bless you above all others. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. If you can do this, you can do anything. God bless you. How we handle life's unplanned events has a great deal to do with the success or failure of our life. There are elements that come to all of us that we have no control over. We simply have to live with it, live through it, live in spite of it. What I have discovered in life is sometimes the hardest part of life is not physical, but mental. It's not what comes against me physically that wears me down. It's what goes on between my ears that wears me out sometimes. Because it's there the real battlefield of the soul takes place. There in the secret chamber of our thoughts where we weigh out the events of life and we try to make sense of those. Somehow balance them all out in some equation that will make sense. It is there in the mind, in the spirit, that I have my greatest battles. It's what goes on in the arena of my mind that makes the difference. I have learned a long time ago, my body can endure as much as my mind can take. And if I ever get to the place that I say I can't take it anymore, guess what? I probably can't. But as long as I don't allow my mind to cave in and give up, there's nothing that can come against me that can destroy me. Paul was on his way to Rome to stand trial before Caesar when this ship sank in the Mediterranean Sea. Malta was not on Paul's itinerary. It was not part of the journey that he was engaged in. And when you go back and read the account of Acts 27 and then what we read in 28, you come to understand that there are many things in life that come unplanned and they come unexpected. There are forces that 
come against us that we have no control over. The wind we have no control over. The Bible said it blows where it wants to blow and when it wants to blow and where it wants to blow. And I don't get to choose the wind. I don't get to choose the direction of it. I can choose to turn my sail to work with the wind, but I cannot stop it from blowing. There are so many things in life that are just like that wind. They are the unstoppable. They're the things in life that are out of our control. We can plan our itinerary. We can make all of our long-range goals about what we want to see done and what we want to have in our life. And we can plan our life out all we want to. But there are elements that are going to come in contact with our plans that are going to disrupt those plans and turn them upside down and many times inside out. How amazing it is to me that God can use things that seem to be taking me off my course taking me out of my planned route, what I had intended to do. It's amazing how God can take those things that I cannot control. And instead of them moving me out of my plan or moving me out of what I should be doing, it puts me perfect in his will. Because I think most of you will agree with me. Though plans had not been made for Malta, Malta needed Paul, and they needed what Paul would bring to them. We thought it was the worst thing that could ever happen to us. But looking back, we found that it was not really the worst. In many cases, it was the best thing that could ever happen. The pain, the suffering, the shortcomings, the heartbreak, it has taught us a lot of things. Most importantly, it will teach you to pray. Amen. It'll teach you to pray. It'll teach you to stay on your knees until you hear from God. Because when you're in the midst of a storm that's tearing everything you're a part of apart, you need something more than just a little pat on the shoulder and say, hang in there. there. It's going to be okay after a while. You need something better than that. And the Apostle Paul gave us a great example that when all men had lost hope and they had given up even being rescued, the Bible said through a night of prayer, an angel of the Lord stood by him and gave him that word of reassurance. I will tell you tonight that what is happening to you right now, you may think it's the worst thing that could ever happen. I don't want to be where I am. I didn't plan to be where I am. But if you will let God, God has a way of taking those unplanned events and working them into his perfect plan for your life. He taught us many things in his journey, but none more important than trusting in God when you cannot see God, when you cannot understand God, keeping your confidence and your trust in him. How many times have we wanted to stand up in life and scream? It's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. I I don't deserve this. Someone hurt me. Someone disappointed me. Somebody treated me unfairly. Life 
has not been equal to me. And yet the reality is it's only a tragedy if you allow it to become a tragedy. It is only a tragedy if you allow that to be the case. The circumstances of life will cave in on you. If you don't, if you don't know that already, I want to tell you tonight that life will cave in on you. Sometimes things go from bad to worse, and they go from worse to worser. <laughs> you think you're at the bottom, and all of a sudden you find out you're not even close to the bottom. Trying to make sense of all of that, I look at, at, at what happened to Paul. First of all, he had to sail with men that would not listen to good advice. How many of you want to hook your sails to somebody that won't listen to good advice? And yet he was at their he he was at their power. He had no choice in the matter. He was simply giving them good godly advice. And then after not listening, the very thing that he said was going to happen happened. A storm broke on them that they had never been in before. And it finally got so bad that it broke the ship up. And they found themselves in a strange place, not on their itinerary. It was not on their stopping place. It was not in their shopping cart. And yet wet and cold, they arrived in Malta to find a barbarous people that for some reason were overly kind to them. I don't know why. If they're barbarians, you would have expected them to have fallen on them because they were vulnerable. But the Bible said because of the rain and because of the cold. Do you understand something? That even people that don't know God can look at you sometimes and feel sorry for what you're having to go through. (laughs) Oh, God, I wish I could preach right now. These barbarians had no idea who they were coming in contact with. But they felt sorry for him because of the rain and the cold. They survived the storm. They survived the shipwreck. And now just going about doing what any good citizen would do, trying to make the situation better. A snake comes out of the bundle of wood and bites Paul on the hand. And at that point, if it had been you and I, we would have thrown up our hands and said, Okay, God. Okay, if you're going to kill me, why didn't you just do it in the storm? Why did you make me go through all of that to come here and let me die on this miserable island where I don't know anybody? When Paul simply shook the snake off in the fire, went on about his business, and the people marveled. People waited for him to die, and he didn't die. Amen. You know what? There's folks waiting on you to die tonight. But you're still here. <laughs> oh, yeah. They've, they've been counting on you giving up a long time ago, but you're hanging in there. And my message to you, if you can make it through that, you can make it through anything. Amen. If you can get through what you've already gone through, there's nothing that can come that can stop what God has planned for your life. How many people are waiting tonight for you to give up the ghost What you really need to do is just get in the ghost, the Holy Ghost. Amen. He shook it off in the fire and went on. And at at that point, it would have been easy for Paul 
to have been like so many others, wondering what God was doing. But he didn't. He trusted God even through that. My point is this. A shipwreck, a storm, and a snake bite do not sound like a recipe for revival. And yet they were. If it had not been for those three factors that Paul had to go through himself, he would have never found himself on that island of barbarous people that probably would have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. But because somebody endured a storm and somebody survived a shipwreck and they survived a snake bite, they were able to deliver a message to people that there's something better in this life than you understand. The goodness of God and the mercy of God that was there. They don't appear to be anything but a disaster. And yet the reality was they were the perfect combination for revival. I wonder tonight, out of all the chaotic things that are happening to you, where God is trying to position you for a revival to break out. I wonder because of all the stuff that you start looking around, this happened and then that happened. It's never one problem. It's three or four or seven troubles that come. According to the, the, the wise man, Job, he said there's seven troubles that come. But they come one on the other. And, and everybody around you is thinking you're not going to make it. And yet somehow you do. What is God doing in all of that to position you? For a good work of God to do in somebody's life. Could it be that God's just needing a witness in the land that you can survive a shipwreck and you can survive a storm and you can survive snake bite and not be bitter and mean and angry and hateful and vengeful, but you can rejoice in the Lord and joy in the God of your salvation. I wonder what Malta is waiting on you and I to realize that God has put us where we are because somebody needs to see that we made it. Amen. We made it. We made it. Praise God. We may be battered and torn. We may have our, our clothes in shred and we may be hanging on by a thread, but we made it. Amen. There's a place in the Cape of Africa called at that time it was called the Cape of Storms. It is where the Indian Ocean and the Atlantic Ocean merge at the very bottom of Africa, the tip of Africa. It is one of the most treacherous places in the world to navigate. The waters are so tumultuous that for many years nobody would venture around that Cape. Nobody would sail it because they were too fearful of their lives and so on the maps it was listed as the Cape of Fears or the Cape of Storms until finally one guy decided, you know what, storm or not, we're going to find out what's on the other side of that Cape. And so he sailed through the storms and the troubling waters and he made it to the other side. And you know what they did? They renamed it the Cape of Hope, the Cape of Good Hope. Why? Because somebody went through it and made it and they turn to say, if I can do it, you can do it too. What I've come to tell somebody tonight is simple. If you can make it here, you can make it through whatever else might be coming down the road. 
Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. Failure that is handled properly can help us. Failure that is handled improperly will sink us. And for the Apostle Paul, he showed us how to deal with all three. A storm, a shipwreck, and a snake bite. It took all of those to bring him to a place of divine appointment. Those things merged together to bring him to an island that needed the touch of God. And the mercy of God. The reality was that Paul would have never met Publius. Even if they had planned to come there because he was a prisoner. And no prisoner ever got to see the leader of a country. But because of what happened. Because of a storm. And because of a shipwreck. And because of a snake bite. They thought differently of him. And when people look around at you and they know what you've gone through. And they see you still praying. They see you still praising God. They see you still coming to church when other people have dropped out and lost their way. They see that you're still hanging in there. You may not be perfect and you may not be doing it perfect, but you're there, ragtag or whatever. I made up my mind a long time ago. I've come too far to turn back now. And if God could get me through what I've gone through, surely God can take me on to where I need to go. Amen. How we handle the storms and the shipwrecks and the snake bites of life will determine our victory, our defeat, tragedy or triumph. Here's what I want to tell you about the three of them, and I'm going to let you go. Number one, storms. Everybody say storms. You know what you have to do in a storm? You just have to endure. Amen. Everybody say endure. You just have to live through it. You can wish, you can pray, you can beg, you can plead, but your begging and your pleading is not going to change the situation. Amen. I'm not very good on the sea myself. I've been out deep sea fishing twice, and I hate it. I don't handle that situation very well. My first experience was out of Galveston. And I knew when I got down there with my son that this was a mistake. And I was smarter than this. But you know, sometimes even smart people do dumb things. There was already winds that were like six or seven knots, and they were kind of weighing whether they were going to go out to fish that day. Now, when they're starting to weigh whether they're going to fish, you better have second thoughts, my friend. And so they finally decided there were too many people that showed up. The boat was full, 75 people. It was a 75-foot boat, and I thought, well, you know, that's a pretty good-sized boat. Maybe it won't be that bad. I was wrong. I was wrong. We sailed out of, and I was okay until we passed out of Galveston Harbor, and we got out on that open water, and those waves started rolling like that, and my stomach started rolling like that. And I started praying, oh, God, if you'll get me off of here, I'll never do this again. I prayed that prayer for 12 hours. 12 hours. It was a 12-hour trip. They're not coming back because of some weakling like me. And so 12 hours, I'm throwing up in every other word saying, oh, God, 
Oh God, oh God, oh God. I didn't even fish. Can you imagine wasting your money going out for kind of ministry like that? But I learned something. There's some things you just have to endure. Sick as you want to be, throw up whatever you want to throw up, but you just have to live through it. And you've got to make up your mind that it doesn't matter how long it lasts, I'm going to outlast it. I'm not going to let this storm defeat me. I'm not going to let it take me down. So everybody say endure. That's not a word we like to talk about because we like instant fix. We like to drive up to one window and place our order and go to the next one and it be ready. And if it's a second late, we're already griping and complaining about how bad their service is. But real life is not like that. You don't get to order it your way. You might at Whataburger, but you don't in life. Life comes to you in so many different ways and forms that you didn't even plan on. And you have to live through it. And when the storm comes, you just have to endure. You just have to make up in your mind that if God brought me here, he can keep me here. If God allowed this, then God knows more than I know. And he would not put more on me than I could bear. Everybody say endure. Amen. Storms you have to endure. Shipwrecks. Let's talk about shipwrecks. That's when everything comes apart. When everything that you were counting on getting you to your destination falls apart. And all that you've got are bits and pieces of what was. You hear me. You grab whatever you can find and hang on because that's how you endure a shipwreck. You hang on. Amen. Everybody say you hang on. You reach out and take whatever comes by. You see, God is not going to save you on what was. He's going to save you through what is. And whatever was might have been a beautiful whole family or beautiful whole life. But when you get to that juncture in life, there may not be much left of you but a few broken pieces. But you can make it with what you've got left. You can make it with whatever is remaining. And the key to surviving a shipwreck is just hanging on. Amen. Hang on because you're going to make it. Everybody say hang on. And snake bites. My Lord have mercy. A storm, a shipwreck, and now a snake bite. Okay, God. What else are you going to do to me? How many of you have said that before? God, what else is going to happen? Don't ask him that. Because you might find out what you don't want to know. There's a whole lot more. But a snake bite. And here's what gets me about this story. This was a man who was busy trying to make the situation better. And the snake bit him. And I've often wondered, God, why would you let bad things happen to people that are trying to make things better? Why would you let a man, I mean, you got lazy people all around you that don't ever lift a hand to do doodly squat. And they never seem to have any problems. But the people that are really trying to live for God, it's like the snake bit here and the snake bit there. And you're thinking, God, what is going on? What, what, 
this doesn't make sense to me that you would let something like that happen to a good man or a good woman is having to endure that. How could that happen? And the Lord showed me one day. He said, I'll show you why he was snake bit because he had a busy hand and busy hands the devil hates. When people are content to sit on a pew and not lift a hand or not lend a hand or not give a hand or not make an attempt to make anything better, he's not worried about them. But he's going to attack anybody that puts their hand to the task and say, I'm going to make this better. I'm going to do what I can to make a difference here. That's why he attacks because he hates anybody that's trying to make a difference. Amen. So what do you do with a snake bite? You do what Paul did. You just shake it off. Amen. Everybody say shake it off. Shake it off. Don't let it stick to you. Don't let it stay on you. It's like the dust on the feet of those who went into the city and they were not welcome. Jesus didn't say, now you go outside, you write down their house number, and you mark a big old fat X over that, and you put a curse over them. He just said, walk outside, shake the dust off your feet, and go on down the road, because you don't need to take that spirit with you where you're going. You don't need to take that contaminant down the road with you. Shake it off. Get rid of it. Let it go. There's nothing worth holding on to. You say, oh, Brother Hughes, I hurt. It, it hurts when you get bit by a snake. I know it. I've been bit a lot of times, not in the natural, but in the spiritual. And it never, it never is enjoyable, but I've learned this much about life. The only body that's going to show up from my pity party is me. And then that makes me mad. Because I want everybody to show up from my pity party. I want, <coughs> I didn't mean for this to be this funny, but. Amen. I want everybody to be around me moaning and groaning, wailing and gnashing of teeth. But the only only person that shows up for your pity party is you. So why hold one? Shake it off. Amen. Shake it off. Put it in the fire where it belongs. Now, in order to do that, you've got to have a little fire burning. Amen. That's another message. I don't have time to preach that one tonight, but you've got to have a fire kindle to be able to shake it into. Or you've got to be near enough a fire that you can do that. <clears throat> Amen. You can't live on the periphery of the church. And never come to an altar and never get involved in the worship and be able to get rid of the stuff that wants to poison you. The only place you're going to get rid of it is when you get close to a fire where you can put it where it belongs. Let the fire consume it. There's a lot of things in life that will try to latch on to you and put its venomous poison in your veins and, and make you a mean, mad person. But the best thing to do is find a fire, a Holy Ghost fire, and just shake it off. Amen. Go on. You know what makes the devil mad is when he finds out he can't stop you. Man, when he knocks you down but you get back up, what really irritates the devil is when you come back anyway. Amen. You get back up after being knocked down. 
It's not a shame to be knocked down. It's a shame to stay down. Get up. You can't defeat a man or a woman that gets up. So for a snake bite, you just have to shake it off in the fire. What happens in your life right now, you may think is a tragedy. But is it really a tragedy? Or is it a setup for God to do something in your life that you can't even imagine? Amen. Paul on Malta, ministering to barbarians. Who would have ever thought? And yet a storm and a shipwreck and a snake bite put him right where God needed him to be for a revival to break out. I just wonder. Oh, I hate to use this word. Well, sometimes I don't, but I hate to it when I'm preaching. No, I better not say it that way either. When all Hades is breaking out around you and everything that could go wrong goes wrong and the enemy comes in like a flood, you know what you need to do? You need to stand up and say, God, I'm ready. Where's revival? Where is it you want me to be and what is it you're trying to prepare me for? Because all of that is a recipe that something powerful, something good is about to happen. Maybe not for every person, but I believe for God's people and godly people, there is no tragedy that comes to your life that is not by God's means a way to bring you into a place you would never know in his love and power except by that thing. And so I say what the writer left the message on that dome in Yosemite. If you can do this, you can do anything. Amen. Stand with me. Praise God. If you can do this. Amen. We spend so much of our energy in life focusing on the things that we can't control. The things that we have no power over. The wind. The elements. The unplanned, the unexpected. We get frustrated. I know I do. I don't know. Maybe you don't. Maybe you have so much patience that nothing ever ruffled your feathers. If you're like that, would you come and share with me your wisdom? Believe it or not, even the preacher gets aggravated sometimes. And you just want to throw up your hands and say, okay, God. Will this ever end? God said, if you can do that, you can do anything. If you can live through that, if you can make it through that, if you can survive that, there's nothing the devil can manufacture that can destroy you. Amen. The enemy discourages us many times by simply overwhelming us. Not because he has the power to defeat us, but because he knows that if he can bring enough chaos into our lives, many times we'll give up. It's not time to give up, church. It's time to stand up. It's time to lift up. It's time to pray up. Amen. And start looking because revival's about to break out around where you are right now. You know why I know that? Because of all the stuff you're having to go through right now. A storm, a shipwreck, a snake bite, that's a great recipe for revival. Amen. What kind of 
situations are going on in your life and your family right now that you're just pulling your hair and saying, oh God, will this ever end? Quit pulling your hair. Lift your hands and start thanking God that He's got His hand on your life and that He's brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this. Amen. Come on, do that right now. Lift your hands to Him in this place. Praise God. Oh, I love you, Lord. I thank you.